Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. So I want to ask the question that is kind of scary for me to ask. Why in the world are we here? Why are we here tonight? What, what, for what reason uh, could you guys not find something better to be doing with your evening? I mean, there is a Fortnite battle going on somewhere. There is, right? Right? That was to all you. I don't even know how to play that game. I tried, my kids made me play it once, and I was dead in like less than 30 seconds. You know, here's the deal. As we look at the world around us, you guys, it is full of, it is full of pain. It is full of desperation. It is full of loss. And there is a reason that we are here. As a follower of Jesus Christ, students, which the majority of you that are seated in these chairs, this would, this would apply to you. You have been called by the gospel, by the God of creation, to be a vessel of God's love unlimited to this world that desperately needs it. If there's anything, you guys, this world needs more than anything, it's love. This world doesn't need money. This world does not need status. This world does not need power. This world needs love. And the one source of that pure love comes from Christ alone. And, and if you are a follower of Christ, that is your calling. And that should be why you are here both in this room and both why you are here on this planet. Now, some of you are in here going, hey, I didn't sign up for this. You're like... They just said that the soda was only 50 cents in the machine. But they didn't tell me it eats my money every other time, right? So some of you guys, some of you guys that are just new here tonight or you're new within the last few weeks, our hope is that you would receive that love. That maybe for the first time you would encounter a love that's unlimited that looks past your, uh, what you think you are on the outside. It looks past... Uh, the doubts that you have, it looks past the lies that you're believing. We're hoping that you will encounter that. Um, so as a mission of a church, our role is to bring love unlimited to this world. Now, how we're going to do that is in how we worship, how we serve, and how we grow. And you guys, we're going to spend a few weeks digging into these details Parker is going to talk about serving next week, which, my opinion, I'm jealous because he's going to get to preach on on a Sunday morning. So if you guys want to join us with the whole church family and make the room really crowded on Sunday morning, we would all love that. Uh, you can join us for that then. He's going to preach on Sunday morning and next Wednesday. But I get to talk to you guys about our first natural response to God's love. And that is genuine worship. Our response to the love of our creator should be worship. And we find a, in a really ironic place a beautiful picture of this worship in John chapter 4. If you guys have your, uh, your uh, smartphones, you got a Bible app, I want you to open that up. Open up to John chapter 4 or you can check it out on the big screen. I'm going to read it from this old-fashioned analog version of God's word. Is called a book, if you guys have ever seen these. John, John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Here's what had happened. Jesus had been traveling, 
God had led him to go through a certain part of the world. He was sitting at a well, and there was a woman that approached him. Now, culturally, this was a woman of a different race, and I will tell you that racism was very alive then. And uh, there were prejudgments, not just about this woman and her background, but about her race. And there was gender issues going on at this time because women were not even supposed to speak to men. And here's what happens. We pick this up. It says a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And look at what Jesus does. He breaks the gender and the race line first. He speaks to her and says, hey, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's that race card that I was just talking about. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? See, she's missing the whole point. She's missing the fact of whose presence she is standing in. You get it? She still thinks that Jesus is talking about like liquid. She is so confused. You don't even have a bucket. Don't offer me something that you can't follow through on. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, this is where he steps in. To go. Maybe she's going to start realizing he's talking about something different. He says, look, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, the human part of this woman is like, dude, please give me this. I don't want to ever be thirsty again. She says, uh, give me this water. I, I don't want to get thirsty again and have to keep coming to this well. And I want to tell you guys something about worship in this moment. Because she was living the issue out. We are created to worship. We are, we are DNA'd to worship. I don't have to teach you guys how to worship. You worship well. Here's the issue. The object of your worship is not always what God is wanting it to be. What you place on the throne in your life is not what God intended it to be at all times. And, and see, that's this woman's issue. She's like, I got to keep coming back to this well, back to this well, over and over and over again. And students, this is what happens when we place the wrong person, the wrong relationship, when we place the wrong thing, the wrong material thing on the throne that is designed for our worship, we find that we have to go back and back and back again, and we are constantly thirsty, and it is never satisfying. In fact, something that Pastor Scott shared on Sunday morning is that what we worship defines us. And so only if we have placed God on that throne and he has defined us, can we go on living in a satisfied manner. 
That's, that's, going, that's worshiping the correct thing where we are not having to go back to the well over and over again. The trouble is, is when we place the wrong thing on that throne, we find ourselves having to go back and we find ourselves being defined by that false God. And I want you to think for a moment what those false gods have been in your lives. What have you incorrectly place there. There are typical things that I would normally share in this moment like, hey, some of you guys are way too committed to your activities and it's obviously your God and it's your identity. You would say, hey, I'm Joe Schmo. I'm an athlete. This is what I do or whatever. I don't even want to address those things. What about your relationships? Have you placed your relationships on a platform that you worship to such a level that they become, they've started to define you. This isn't something new. You guys wouldn't be the first generation to have an issue with that. Look at what happened with this, uh, this woman. We'll pick this story back up. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five. You guys hear that gasp. Can you imagine how she felt? The judgment. People pass judgment, am I right? Some of you just pass judgment with a gasp of air. He said, the fact is, you've had five. And the man that you're with now, he, he's not your husband either. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And she goes into talking about how the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's starting to make a connection that this is more than just a mere man sitting at the well. Can you imagine how her relationships had defined her? Because you look at the reaction, I don't know who it was, but I heard at least a dozen people gasp at that. The fact that she had had five husbands. The judgmentalism that she felt every day. That's why she went to the well alone. That's why she went to the well during midday when it was hot. Is because she didn't want to face the accusations and the judgment. I picture Jesus sharing this with this woman in love. He says, look, I know this about you. But Jesus doesn't walk away sneering and judging. He gives this woman hope, but before the hope arrives, he has to touch her heart with some truth. He says, look, I know what's going on in your world. You think you're hiding it from people. You can't hide it. He said, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming, listen to this, students, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. 
the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything. And Jesus looks right at her. And get this, you guys, he didn't say this to many people. Very select few did he reveal who he truly was. He looks right at her and he says, I who speak to you, I am he. He chose a Samaritan woman to be transparent with. Her response was pure worship. Because what she did is she took the truth of what Jesus shared with her and how Jesus touched her heart and how Jesus approached her tenderly and gingerly and said, look, I know what's going on in your world. I'm not passing judgment. I am the Messiah and I came for people like you. And she left declaring God's glory all the way back to her village. It says this, it says, Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. They, she went back proclaiming who he was, a pure act of worship, God touching her heart with truth, her responding. I cannot imagine the emotion. That God looked me in the eye and affirmed me for who I am, spoke to me, spoke truth and said, look, quit hiding who you are. This is who I am. Go and live differently. So what does this mean, students, for you? Middle school and high school students, 2,000 years later, I want to challenge you with how you engage God in worship. I, and before I do this, I want to share with you an experience that I had recently that had nothing to do with musical instruments. It had nothing to do with singing. It had everything to do with me and myself and my Bible encountering God, God encountering God's truth and responding in spirit. And it was a pure act of worship. I was sitting alone in the morning, and I, was, and I was reading, and I was struggling with some stuff personally, and I was pouring over these words. And as I read out of God's word that was written centuries ago, I read with my own eyes what I needed to hear that morning to bring my heart peace. And it was God stepping in and going, son... You need to hear this. And it was something that I personally needed to change. It was something about my attitude that needed to be turned upside down. And God stepped in and put his hand on me. And I had a decision to make in that moment. I could resist and bristle up and go, I don't need to hear that. Back off. I'm not as bad as they are. I don't need to hear that. Or I could receive it. And I allowed my heart to receive it. And I felt conviction in my spirit. And there was emotion involved. And I welled up with tears. And I was thinking about the people that I had wronged. And I was thinking about how I needed to approach them and apologize. And then my actions followed. And I will tell you. 
that in that moment I was worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And there was not a single chord that was played on any instrument. Students, your response to the love that is unlimited that pours out from our Father from heaven is worshiping in spirit and truth. I see it this way. We're going to have the wonderful opportunity tonight in a few moments to celebrate uh, four people giving their, uniting their lives with Christ in baptism, just giving their hearts to him. And I, I look at that and I think about God's truth being spoken, them hearing it in some manner, whether it was in a song, whether it was in scripture, whether it was their, their coach, that God spoke truth to them. And they allowed that truth to touch them and convict them to the point that they realized that they needed Jesus. And in a pure act of worship, I will tell you, I have never been in that baptistry looking in someone's eyes where I have not seen tears welling up, even in the toughest of men. I've been in that baptistry with a 300-pound man that was weeping because he felt the goodness of God pouring over him because he was encountering God in both spirit and truth. And we're going to get to celebrate that. And I feel like that moment is one of the purest acts of worship that we can encounter. Now, students, hear me in this. Whether you have already united your life with Christ and you need to be reminded of God's goodness and when he touches you and says, I need to speak truth here. Hear me, I need to speak truth. He's doing that out of love. He did not judge this woman. And he's not judging you, but he's just saying, look, if you want to worship me in spirit and truth, you have to let me Go there. There is no more hiding. There is no more secrets. You have to let God go there. And that's where you'll find yourself continually in the presence of God, worshiping him in spirit and truth. And students, some of you are in this room. You have not united your life with Christ in baptism. Maybe tonight's the night. Maybe it's not. I'm telling you that there are people with, that already got wet drawers that are going to be in the water. I want to say, why wait? Because we talked about this last week. The cross was absolutely necessary for you, and that is the truth. And your life was desperately hopeless without the blood of Jesus. And that is the truth. And the sin that you think you're hiding, he died for that too. Even though you struggle to confess it, he's saying, I embraced it. And that's the truth that you need to hear and allow that to move your spirit to the point of obedience, to unite your life with Christ. <coughs> so, we are going to continue to worship tonight. We are going to worship through singing. The worship band is going to come up here. Uh, man, they do a fantastic job of leading us to the throne of grace. As we are singing, we are going to get to rejoice in the celebration of lives that are being united with Christ in baptism. And I just want to challenge you students. What steps are you needing to take 
to worship in spirit and truth. Let's pray together before we worship God. Father, thank you for how you convict. Father, you never do it harshly. You always convict out of love because you love us too much to not be truthful. Father, we give you glory because you are worthy of praise. Father, we're excited to celebrate lives being reborn in you. There's so much power and so much love in that moment. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.